Hello and welcome to That Tech Show, the show that reveals the magicians behind the magic that is everyday technology. You're stuck with me again this week, so let's get right to the chase. On the show this week, we have Daniela Paredes, and what a treat this episode is. She is the co-founder of Gravity Sketch, and if you haven't heard of Gravity Sketch, Gravity Sketch is a work design and collaboration tool completely in virtual reality. So I, I've really enjoyed this one. And in this episode, we get into product design, how Gravity Sketch came to be and how it's drastically changed as virtual reality headsets have evolved since the early days of VR. And what did those early days look like? Well, we get into it in this episode too. And of course, the infinite possibilities of Gravity Sketch and the future of the platform. Coincidentally, I actually conducted this entire podcast in virtual reality. So we're getting meta once again, and it was uh, it was an experience. It was an experience. So without further ado, here is Daniela Parades. Hi, I'm Daniela Parades. I'm co-founder and chief experience officer at Gravity Sketch. Wonderful. So what is Gravity Sketch? Gravity Sketch is a 3D design and collaboration and communication software that allows teams that need to be bringing products to life to like, you know, express themselves without any restrictions and be able to be in the same space working together spatially without necessarily having to be in the actual same physical space. And this is, this is virtual reality, just to be clear, right? Or is this broader than that? It's broader than that. We like to think that Gravity Sketch doesn't really need to exist in a specific platform. Although at the moment where the technology is at, uh, virtual reality is the most, the best experience you can have with the tool. The best enabler. Yes, exactly. Let's time travel back then to you founded it, which is always a nice conversation to have. Before founding uh, Gravity Sketch, what were you doing? How did you get there and, and talk us through a little bit about your your history, I guess? So I I was one of the the people that actually go through the struggles of having to communicate three-dimensional ideas. So my background is in industrial design. I was uh, for a really long time working um, as a designer, uh, bringing products to life, uh, designing, you know, um, home appliances, furniture, even bases uh, for shops. Um, until I decided that I really wanted to go back to academia and expand my tool set and like just really try to figure out how could I bring more expertise to the table and 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 really try to like figure out how to disrupt something in the world and leave a, a mark <laughs> in the world. And so I ended up going to this course uh, in London that was called uh, Innovation Design Engineering at the Royal College of Art and Imperial College. And there it was basically a course that would combine design and engineering to produce innovation and try to come up with solutions for really big world problems. And that was actually the place where Gravity Sketch was created. So it was our master's project. It was never meant to be a company, actually. <laughs> Um, not because we didn't really want it to become entrepreneurs, but because we wanted to make use of the comfort of academia to really push as many boundaries as possible and propose something that could hint into a you know a different solution on how you know the world was working. And so you know we didn't really plan on doing something that was ready for the market at that point. We were just kind of like really basing our project out of technologies that were not even available to the general public. So back then we were doing we were doing gravity sketch with augmented reality actually, and we were working with this company in France that was doing augmented reality headsets for the military. <laughs> so definitely not a, a marketable product at all. But you know we put the project online and it became viral. Everybody wanted to hear how we had come up with a solution, how we had uh, you know arrived there, and people really wanted to use it. And so we had design studios contacting us, but also large you know technology companies wanting to know a little bit about you know our thinking process. And we thought, well, maybe maybe it's not such a bad idea to actually try to pursue. 
So did you have um, technical expertise yourself with, you know, virtual reality, you know, the coding, et cetera, that must have gone into this? Or was this part of the people you were working with on the course? A bit of both. So actually, like no one in the course and no one in my team had skills around that. So it was part of the course. It was part of, you know, what we were there to learn to actually like figure out how to make a prototype um, out of whatever idea and solution we were coming up with. So, you know, the first prototype was a very, very hacky copy pasting code. Um, <laughs> you know, before then, I didn't know anything about technology, but, you know, it was part of the course to actually like figure out technology and I fell in love with it. Um, it, be- it became this thing that, you know, for me, learning how to code and learning how to like how different components were working together and like how I could make machines move and you know software do things that you know was just in my mind suddenly like there was a computer doing what I wanted to do for me it was magic it was kind of like I think the missing ingredient for my design practice but obviously it was all like it's always been kind of like a very very prototypey sort of hacky way of kind of like coding not necessarily like the full perfect robust product that we now have in the market obviously we have a lot of people working now to make sure it works but you know back then you know even when people were contacting us wanting to use it we made this really nice video and like showing like you know everything about gravity sketch and like you know people didn't really know that it was this very clunky prototype that you know was barely working for the exam but um, it was giving the idea of what what we wanted actually create i suppose this is in the very early days of vr as well as it when, when are we talking 2013 so the first uh the first oculus rift had just come out it didn't even have controllers so we had our project was a hardware and software combination it was this tablet that would you know be paired with the augmented reality headset the oculus rift version was kind of like the like the second version if you will, because it was just very new and it was like not necessarily what we were trying to do at first. We wanted to be able to see the world outside. Did your vision exceed the current technology at the time? Did you, you know, were you dealing with, were you dealing with the Oculus's limitations, but you thought, you know what, we see where this is going, but right now we, this is all we've got to demonstrate it on. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think it's still not there you know like after so many years we know that the technology is going to continue improving and eventually the vision that we have for gravity sketch is going to be the like the truest and the most kind of like uh, like pure <laughs> but yeah back then it was really clunky as i mentioned you had to back then you had to put like so many things in place you had the sensors because um, we were working with the Oculus Rift where you have like these two sensors in front of you, but you also have the other headsets that had like this room like size uh, sensors, so many cables. Um, then the tablet that we were using also had like a lot of cables and it was all very clunky. We were even like we had to track the, the tablet that we made with a webcam. So you had to kind of like stick the web- webcam on the headset. It was kind of like very, very early days for, for VR. Um, and it's been kind of like a crazy uh, journey being there at the beginning and like seeing everything that you needed. You also needed a really, really strong VR computer that no one had, especially no one in the design industry. <laughs> and now seeing these headsets where, you know, you can just get them in an inexpensive way uh, relatively. And you can just have a, an incredible experience with great resolution and without any sensors or cables around you. So how many people were you? Was it a big team of people? Was it, you know, two or three? Like what, what size are we talking about? We started being, um, we started being three people. Okay. So pretty, pretty tight knit team. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you start, you sort of think that that's all you need. <laughs> and then you start realizing that you need more people. Yeah. I'm curious to then think, cause it, it sounds like a lot of things coming together to kind of form this idea how did you come up with gravity sketch was there like a brainstorming session was it months of like research or ideas was it a eureka moment from one particular person like how did it come to be 
it was our kind of like project, like the project that we would graduate with. So we had three months, three and a half months to work on it. Um, and essentially we could do whatever we wanted. <laughs> like the brief was really open. And so, you know, we were trying to figure out what, what that would be. And, you know, being lost and like just trying to find inspiration, we were walking in the Science Museum in London and we saw this temporary exhibition that uh, was illustrating the future of 3D printing. So, you know, 3D printing in 2013 was when it started booming. And it basically said that we were all going to be designing and printing our things at home in the future. And being kind of like experts in making three-dimensional models in the computer we knew how hard it was and so we thought well this future won't really exist if the tools that are currently available don't get any easier for like the general public to actually use and that was kind of like the starting point we didn't really wanted to do a 3d printing software but it got us into a conversation on like what's the actual problem and the problem is that you have a three-dimensional idea in your head but it's really really hard always to bring it out to the world and so you either you know, need to be really good at perspective drawing or you need to be really good at, you know, using the computer to make a 3D model. But besides that, it's really, really hard to get somebody else or even yourself, like bring it out and really understand it and continue shaping it as you go through the creative process. And so our our brief and our starting point was how do we enable and empower people to create and communicate three-dimensional ideas in the quickest and most intuitive way possible, almost as if they were pulling the idea out of their head. And it was a, so it was an academic project. So um, we did a bunch of research on like how people think when they're going through a creative process. We did a lot of experimentation. And we found this really interesting theory that was kind of like the backbone of the project. And it's the theory of multiple intelligences by Howard Gardner. And so he says that we all have nine different intelligences. So we have kinesthetic, mathematical, and logical, spatial, among some others. We, we develop all more than others, uh, some more than others, depending on who we are when we're born, but also what do we get exposed to when we're growing up. But the interesting part here is that um, people in the creative fields are really strong in spatial intelligence. But the tools that we currently use are heavily based on mathematic, logic, and linguistic, which was interesting for us. And so that was kind of like the starting point for us is how can we create a tool that will serve the spatial thinkers, the spatial intelligence people. And so, you know, we did a bunch of experiments and arrived to you know, different of like conclusions and the ingredients that would create kind of like the philosophy for us to create gravity sketch and one of the experiments like the iterations of this experiment essentially are like led us into into designing gravity sketch and i can walk you a little bit through like how that experiment was kind of like iterated if you want sure um i, I would just uh, have a comment then i think as with a lot of things and where we're moving to now there's a huge technical barrier from what's in someone's mind to what they want to express. And we're definitely, in, in many different industries, we're moving into a more, in, in websites, for instance, it's about no code, not writing code to be able to produce a website. In this case, you know, it's it's expressing 3D ideas without that technical limitation. And, and I think that's, um, yeah, I think it's, it's doing a great job at that. But Chris, I don't know if you had any more questions, otherwise I'll, 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 I'll let you take us through that. Yeah, I mean, I want to know how you turn it from a project into a commercial entity. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, like, yeah, that was a big challenge. Sam, just to kind of like, uh, you know, address what you just said. Yeah, it is, it is kind of like a very difficult thing and you have to go through a lot of technical knowledge to be able to express kind of like an idea, uh, a three-dimensional idea. And that alienates a lot of people, which is kind of like the, the interesting part here and the thing that we're most excited about because when you remove this technicality you immediately allow many more people to come into the conversations of bringing a product to life or developing a three-dimensional idea further which makes you know people that usually speak a different language if you will speak the same one and be able to kind of like create better products, more inclusive products, um, and just kind of like uh, speed up the process quite quickly. 
yeah and so yeah well basically like this this experiment that we did was this kind of like like it was a it was a little cube that you would get someone to think about a three-dimensional idea just kind of like a, a shape and you would tell them okay slice this shape in your head and then just kind of like draw each of the slices in in this cube like this cube had layers of acrylic it was formed by layers of la transparent layers of acrylic so just kind of like draw each of the slices that you have in your head in the layers of acrylic put it back together move it around and you would see this shape take shape essentially and so it was really easy for people to just express themselves we were also trying to figure out how to combat people being scared of expressing themselves like with visual communication um, which is kind of like another really important problem that we have as a society that people are scared of sketching and visually representing ideas just because it's, uh, you know, at some point in our lives, somebody tells us if you're not great at sketching, you should stop doing it and just use words <laughs> and words lead to a lot of miscommunication. So this experiment was trying to address that as well. And so it was really successful. People were like just seeing that shape take shape essentially in the cube and so we thought well make it let's make it bigger um so you know people will be able to make better things and more intricate and so on but then it became really heavy we had too many layers it wasn't working but then we started talking and said well actually it would be really cool if you only needed one layer of acrylic you would sketch on that layer move the layer in space and then just leave the the stroke that you just did floating in space and you know you would be able to do that around you know the entire space around you and so we thought well actually it's possible because we have augmented reality glasses and you can actually do it like that and so you know we started working with this company in France doing the augmented reality headset and it was it was great we did this amazing prototype we went to France to test it out and it was kind of like a really good prototype and a really good way of kind of like materializing the idea and the solution that we had and but then you know to your to your point Chris how do you go from that from that school project into an actual company um, and that was a big challenge because in 2013 this was more like 2014 when we started the company we were like okay cool let's try to do it uh, let's start trying to raise the investment and all of the investors were thanking us and telling us to come back in 10 years when this technology was actually available to, you know, the masses. That's quite a long time to wait. <laughs> it was quite, yeah. And they were not wrong. They were off for maybe a couple of years, but it's been a really long time. And so it was hard for us to raise investment for, you know, like the first three, four years. Luckily, we were able to win some awards and like, you know, win some uh, grants as well and just kind of like we're working side jobs and so on to be able to continue going but we really believed in what we were trying to do and and after some time we started to gain uh traction out there i mean we were already kind of like out there because the project became viral everybody kind of like were speaking about us and we we became these kind of like thought leaders but we didn't really have a product in the market because nobody actually had headsets and so first we had to release an ipad version like knowing that that wasn't exactly what we wanted to do but it would just allow us to be out there did you sorry so to interrupt did you secure your idea in, in any way like did you go after like getting some uh, ip protection at all yeah we we filed a, a patent that actually is not necessarily covering what we do right now because it was it was a patent for the hardware and the software combination of things. Um, it's really hard to kind of like protect software in general. They don't like you doing that, do they? <laughs> no, no. In the US, they're a bit better with that. Uh, I think in the US, you can paint into sandwich if you really wanted to. But like, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> like over here, they're a little bit more restrictive. And it's not only like, you know, if they let you or not, it's also like, okay, you patented, you paid all this money, you pay money to continue kind of like having the patent. But then can you actually do something about it? Like if somebody, like if a big company kind of like goes and like does something that is infringing your patent, can you actually like pay a lawsuit? Like, you know, there's so many like things that you need to think about that 
sometimes protection is not necessarily patenting something, but maybe it's more kind of like having some sort of secret or being faster than anyone else or having processes internally that allow you to create a really great product that maybe not everyone else knows how to do. And so because your first version, as you're talking about, is, you know, had that hardware software component, that's what enabled you to actually be able to get some protection on it then? Yes, exactly. And we're not even using it. (laughs) (laughs) I I would like to clarify something that you said just earlier that you you know, I applaud you. You mentioned that you were you were asking people to cut and slice these objects. This is in the real world, right? This is actual people cutting. Was that basically user testing to understand how people manipulate things in the real world to be able to translate that into your software? Yeah, so this was even before having a software, before even knowing that we were going to be doing a software or like, you know, gravity sketch, essentially. So they were all, we did a bunch of different experiments to really try to understand and challenge people to create and to express themselves visually, uh, like express their three-dimensional ideas, like visually and spatially. And so all of those different experiments, and they were all kind of like non-tech experiments. Like we didn't start it with like a lot of people think that we saw a headset and we were like, oh, cool, let's do something for sketching. Um, but it wasn't actually like that. It was more like, you know, we we did a bunch of research. We really tried to understand how people express themselves in space and like how people kind of like create and communicate and like the different processes. So we did a bunch of um, research around, you know, how industrial designers work, how architects work, how, you know, car designers work and all of the kind of like differences, similarities, the problems that they have when they're trying to communicate with their teams. So how did you then transform that into like an interaction that someone would have sketching in in that early prototype of Gravity Sketch then? Like, did did you need to look at the movements that people were making and how that would be reflected into into the software? When we decided that we only needed one layer of acrylic that would be able to move in space and just leave the strokes floating in space, then we needed to identify, like we needed to kind of like basically prototype a way for the computer to understand where the pen was, like how the pen was moving. And so we used this, we hacked into a little clip that I had for like, you know, it was a clip that you would put on your notebook um, that it would track the pen movements and just record them. And so it would come like basically record what you were putting on your notebook and make it digital so you could open it in the computer. And so we hacked into that um, and then added a bunch of buttons and knobs to this like acrylic tablet that we created so that, you know, it would track, you would sketch on this flat surface and then you would be able to move with the control, like with the buttons and the knobs, the stroke that you did in respect to the drawing plane. Um, and that's how you would start kind of like creating a shape. So let's say that you wanted to create a cube, you would sketch a square and then move it with the with the controllers in space, like in respect to the to the drawing plane, and then draw another cube, like another square and another square, and then you start kind of like shaping that cube essentially. Was that was that intuitive to use? It sounds like a three D etch sketch. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. It was very intuitive. It was actually. I mean, now with the controllers, obviously, you know, I think it's even more intuitive to have controllers. But back then, it was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like the best way to kind of like interact with this digital world. And it was like people were always trying to, when we were trying to raise investment and like, you know, people were were telling us, well, software is kind of like a bit easier and less expensive. Hardware is really hard. Why don't you kind of like let go of the tablet and just focus on the software? There are tablets already that exist. Like, why don't you use an iPad? And it it would get us so angry because uh, like one of the pillars in our design philosophy is physicality. And like this tablet would bring this physicality element to it, right? Like you have this kind of like physical controller that would allow you to manipulate the sketch in respect to the surface. But then we we realized that, you know, it wasn't actually like the most important part. And, And the most important part was just kind of like to continue having this natural way of interacting with space. Uh, whatever that would mean. And so the controllers eventually came 
like you know to the market and that would just allow allow you to have hands in like in this digital space and be able to kind of like manipulate things so but it was quite quite intuitive i don't know what bearing this has on the on the application or whatever but we're we're on video call right now you're very handsy you're expressing <laughs> things and you're saying things and you're describing things with your hands. And does that have any sort of bearing as to why this is such a passionate thing for you? I mean, f- well, first of all, the, po- the point I'm making is that you're describing these 3D things and whatever, and, and it's just, it's, it's accentuating and reiterating this idea that describing things in 3D is bloody hard, you know, and you have to use your hands and you have to kind of describe things in this kind of way. So it's, uh, the, the tool is, is, perfectly set to be able to uh, to to articulate that but do you think that you you have a a passion to communicate things in a, in a kind of visual way and that's maybe why you've got quite a passion for this project at all yeah probably i mean definitely have a lot of passion for the project and we we like to give this example uh whenever we're kind of like explaining our design philosophy and we we always uh show this picture of picasso probably you've seen it maybe not but it's Picasso sketching uh, with light. So he's using this long exposure photography and just like using light and he's sketching in space. Like he's just like drawing in space. And I, li- I love this example because it shows that creatives, like people that are like, that want to express themselves, like they want to express three-dimensional ideas because it's something that they like constantly think about we've always wanted to do that like it's not me it's not like you know my co-founder it's not just Picasso it's every single person that has been wanting to kind of like express a three-dimensional idea and like you know you said something really important like we use our hands to communicate and somehow we use our hands and our voice to do it but it's not like it's not enough right we we want to visually like mark things in space and so we're not, in a way, we're not, like, we didn't do anything new. Like, we didn't do anything kind of, like, innovative. Like, the only thing that we did was to take something that everybody has always been wanting to do and actually make a product. So we're the team that decided to do something about it. And we're fortunate to be in a, in a time where this technology allows us to actually make it happen. But in reality, it's something that a lot of people have been wanting to have. And this is one of the reasons why our community is so strong because we're not do- just doing this um, you know, as a company and wanting to sell something to someone. We're doing this almost as a, you know, as a as a movement, as a team, as like, you know, a community and gravity sketch trying to really kind of like enable people to express in the way that they should be able to express. So with with the team then. How, you mentioned three people. What 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 were your different skill sets you were bringing to this project at this at this time? So we started um, Shay and I. So yeah, my co-founder and I. We started. Um, his background is in mechanical engineering and did a bunch of work um, enabling industrial designers to bring products to market. My background is in industrial design, so I've been kind of like also the person that has gone through the challenges of like trying to express a three-dimensional idea and having a team that doesn't quite get it and you know the difficulties that go around that and then later on we brought uh we brought on our third co-founder Daniel it was kind of like an interesting kind of like thing that happened we didn't have any money like we had very little money so we we needed to make a product that was robust enough to actually release it to the world and so we just put a job ad somewhere like in one of these kind of like online uh, places uh, trying to find someone that would help us do that for very, very little money. And we were just getting a lot of applications from China, uh, but we wanted to have someone like that we could kind of like see uh, and work with. And so Daniel had just finished physics in Cambridge and he didn't really like physics. So he didn't really wanted to pursue the, the career. He started developing games uh, and then saw our, our, our job post and thought, well, they pay very little, but it sounds interesting. And so he got in touch and just like in one day created the whole prototype that we had created, like, and took us like sweat and blood. <laughs> and in his profile was perfect. He was a physicist creating a 3D geometry, um, you know, engine. So I always like to say that it was meant to be. And yeah, he came, came on board. So it was the three of us kind of like trying to make it happen at the beginning. 
and do do you know what technology that he built it in um unity yeah we use unity that's cool and your target market did you know who you wanted to for lack of a better word sell this to obviously there's more more to it than just selling but do you know who your market was or were you discovering who your market was at this time we we started to discover it over over time so we were very kind of like idealistic <laughs> and at the beginning we were saying that you know gravity sketch was for everyone because everyone has three-dimensional ideas and we all need to communicate them and we still think that but obviously as a startup you need to start focusing and that you know we had to kind of like figure out who the first group of people would be that could actually benefit from it and it came out of uh, a failed Kickstarter campaign <laughs> uh, that we found our, our market. And it was because, like we just decided to kind of like launch a campaign. It was a failure. <laughs> we had to cancel it. But well, when we canceled it, all of the people that had backed us started contacting us. And most of them were car designers. And so we realized that, you know, that was kind of like actually the industry that was already ready and using VR for visualizing. And so they started to experiment with creation. And so that's kind of like our biggest market at the moment, alongside with uh, footwear and sportswear uh, products. Just a quick one then. What's with the heads? Like, because you can create a big um, mannequin, can't you, uh, in, inside of it? So I, I immediately saw the car and I was like, that, that's amazing for, for doing cars. What was the heads for? <laughs> What's the heads for? <laughs> um, essentially, like, the people that are benefiting the most out of Gravity Sketch are people that need to be creating products, right? And so what are these products, like who are these products for? People. Um, and so you need the human, like the human proportions, the human kind of like elements to be able to design around it. So you have a head, but you also have a full mannequin. You can use the mannequin to sketch around it and kind of like ideate around this mannequin, but you can also use it to just kind of like position it to show how um, an object is being used uh, and create a story around it. So we have people kind of like making presentations and just using the mannequins to kind of like show how it's meant to be used. So, yeah. Why was the Kickstarter a failure? What were you trying to try to do? Because that's a great learning. So this was 2016. Kickstarter was a big thing at the moment and we thought well yeah let's do it there but if you think about it we were trying to find people that were looking to buy software on a platform that it's you know predominantly selling physical products someone that already had a vr headset and a vr ready computer and that was looking to communicate three-dimensional ideas so it was very 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 niche (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I suppose you were still finding your feet in being able to communicate that, like, as with most kind of campaigns and things like that, you need to, in the first like 30 seconds, probably at, at that time, within the first 30 seconds, you need to be able to convey who it's for and who it's going to benefit for them to kind of watch the whole minute and a half long video or whatever it is. So I guess that added to the, uh, to the, to the difficulty of, of appealing on Kickstarter. Yeah, at that point, it felt like a failure. <laughs> uh, it was definitely hard to hit, like to click the cancel button. But now the way that we like to think about it and definitely was kind of like the way that we presented it to investors back then was that it was a market experiment uh, that resulted in us figuring out what the market was for us. So in a way, it brought a lot of good things, even though we didn't get the funding from Kickstarter. This is a great learning. So getting into the, um, the the automotive industry then, how did you need to make any tweaks to, to come up with a product that worked for the automotive industry? Oh, definitely. The project, like the product has been evolving quite a bit. Um, it evolves every single day and we work really closely with the people using it. So everything that goes into Gravity Sketch comes from interactions and conversations that we have with users it's not like we wake up every day and we're like yeah we think that we're going to be putting this in the software (laughs) like not at all so definitely working with automotive designers and fourth was our first customer allowed us to kind of like start figuring out which which features would actually make more sense for for them 
we always we're always very careful because you know people have a lot of ideas and like sometimes people want to bring kind of like features that they see somewhere else into into gravity sketch and so usually it takes us a really long time to figure out what's the gravity sketch way of doing something and that's kind of like usually what yeah the thing that delays everything just because we want to make sure that we follow our design principles um and not create kind of like a very kind of like heavy product that will take a really long time to learn so from like 2016 with this kickstarter to forward using the product what was the time frame for 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 that then so ford started using the product towards the end of 2017 so yeah it was some time uh but yeah like some like this conversation started just after the kickstarter and what was it they were actually doing with it many things so that's kind of like the interesting part with gravity sketch you can it's almost like if you give someone a pen and a paper and you tell them to do something you can do many things with with it um they were mainly sketching so they were sketching cars but they were also trying to figure out how to use like make use of being in like in a digital space and being able to kind of like create spatially to understand even kind of like the experiences that someone would have in the car um, or how they would have to adapt the cars to like the new cities. Um, they were also thinking a lot around how they would be in, able to collaborate spatially, like in in a, in a safe same virtual space. So they were trying to explore a lot of different things within the same software. When they when they're using that, then it was that. I mean, is that them bringing sketches into Gravity Sketch so that they can like turn into a three D model that they can see around, or is it completely sketching from scratch in in Gravity Sketch? You can do both. So you can you can start from scratch, or you can bring something that we see a lot with with car designers is that they sketch on a piece of paper or on, on Photoshop in the computer, and then they bring that image into Gravity Sketch and they start from there because if you think about it, like they have been trained, like they have trained their like muscles. Oh, yeah, muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, being able to like sketch in 2D, like in, in a flat surface, right? So they make use of that. They bring it in and then they kind of like trace over that and then start kind of like manipulating those lines and start creating kind of like the three-dimensional sketch. Sometimes that's enough. And like some people just go from there into another software like Photoshop and finish it so that they can present it. Some people bring their managers in to have discussions around just kind of like curves and like very simple strokes to understand the shape of a car. Some people go further and start kind of like making uh, surfaces and so that they can start talking with the 3D modelers that are going to eventually create a 3D model with, with their 3D sketches. And so, you know, like there's different things that you can do. Some people actually bring 3D models already done. So, you know, maybe the 3D modeler just gives them something, they can bring it in and they can have just a conversation, make some lines kind of like, you know, almost as if it was kind of like a physical clay model, but now in, in VR. So all stages of the process then really from that initial concept sketch to actually what refining the clay model rather than having it in clay, there's something that's actually, well, arguably more flexible than, than the clay model, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's basically enabling conversations. And so from this being, what, 2017, are the cars on the road that have been designed in Gravity Sketch? Not yet, not yet. Unfortunately, cars take a really long time to, to go to the streets. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Is there any sort of um, sense of like motion in, in Gravity Sketch then? Because obviously cars are designed to you know move in a physical space. Is there, is there any sense of like, well, I suppose if you've got a physicist on your team as well, is there any sense of like the 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 wind i guess you know fluid dynamics how that how that moves in the space or am i getting ahead of the, the product <laughs> yeah no yeah, that, that's a bit too kind of like technical we have seen people do things in gravity sketch and then take it into a into another software to actually understand if flu like uh, fluid dynamics i think it's called like just yeah um, cfd isn't it yeah but yeah like people take it to the software and like to to understand it but it's like it's already too technical and sometimes 
I mean, that's the part that like sometimes it's hard for people to understand because when you think 3D and 3D models, like digital models, people automatically think that it's kind of like an engineering thing and, you know, it's already really resolved and you can just kind of like start, you know, mapping how, you know, the, the, the wind is going to pass and so on. But it's really, it's really a sketch. So you can do that, but you might need to kind of like eventually refine it and refine it more and have a, like a final model to test out of. I just think it's amazing how fast something has come in the in the time that you you know you started developing it. Clearly, that being able to see CFD stuff in in virtual reality has probably got to be a next step for virtual reality. I imagine. I don't know if that exists in in any other product, but I think it's pretty amazing that you've got companies like Ford Ford using it as well. So, at, at what point did um, was Ford being the first one? Was that the the sort of start of it becoming a commercial product and the business growing and all that sort of thing? Then, yeah. Yeah, they were they were the first ones. I mean, we had a lot of people in our community that started using it. So they were the ones believing in us <laughs> and donating so that we would continue to exist. But yeah, Ford was kind of like the, the first company that uh, started using Gravity Sketch. And and it kind of like paved the way for, for some of the other companies to start kind of like considering something like this. And eventually, you know, the the... I mean, the, the design industry, like the designers in the world are like, we're fortunate to be kind of like um, creating a product for people that are really, really creative. So, you know, if you go to Instagram and you, you know, go, like you search for like the hashtag gravity sketch, you're going to see all these different um, applications. So we have a lot of concept artists as well using gravity sketch. So they, they've been like, there are movies out there that have been using gravity sketch for like, uh, yeah creating kind of like their concept art. And then, you know, footwear started being uh, a really important industry for us, uh, especially during the pandemic when people had to figure out how to communicate and create without being in the same space. And so, you know, you have companies like Adidas um, going from being completely two-dimensional, like so people kind of like creating kind of like their concepts in 2D. Now the same designers now being able to sketch in 3D, communicate in 3D and communicate with, you know, their partners in Asia, having to create the models and the final things and just being able to have kind of like more, more direct and, and richer conversations uh, from the very beginning, as opposed to kind of like on the later stages of the process. I bet it, it sort of taught them something they didn't really know, the pandemic bringing on that separation that 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 communication gap and then being forced into using something like gravity they'd suddenly realize hang on yeah we've 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 got a sense of perspective we've got a sense of scale and and can just review things and understand products in a in a whole new light so it's uh it was a kind of fortunate incident for you forcing that collaboration aspect on, on that note of like societal trends and and whatever affecting the product I'm I'm fairly new to VR, but um, as far as I'm aware, the Oculus Quest brought about a kind of, a, maybe it was the first kind of untethered virtual reality device. Certainly, the Quest Two was obviously a huge, huge success. Has how how has the product changed, or your community increased, or or, or changed over time with the introduction of? something as as more mainstream and easily accessible as the uh as as the quest is it was a big game changer when the quest came out because yeah before before then you had to have a vr computer so not a lot of people especially in the industries that we were working with had a vr computer they weren't even kind of like pc users right and so being able to have a headset that has a computer in there um, was great. We were fortunate that the way that we had developed the technology was kind of like, yeah, done in a way that the the Quest could run it because not 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 a lot of the of the software can run in Quest. And so yeah, big uh, big applause to to the team <laughs> that were able to do that. In terms of like the um, the people that were like how it changed, like the people that were using it, we definitely saw a lot of uh, more users coming into the into the platform. So, especially people working on industrial design in general. So, like doing 
uh, glassware and like uh, home appliances, furniture and so on. There were many of those coming in, but also in the other industries. I think foodware was also a big, uh, a big one that came through through the quest coming out. Um, and it's just, this is just kind of like a, an example of how as the technology becomes easier and more accessible, then, you know, we're just going to start seeing more and more people coming to these technologies if there's something that can benefit them. Yeah, like from a community aspect as well, were you seeing new ideas come to the table? Were you inspired by anything because of that accessibility? We were, and definitely there were many more um, ideas that were coming to us. Uh, so as I mentioned before, everything that goes into the software, it has come from conversations with the user. So by having a bigger pool of uh, really passionate users, we were able to just bring more like to the software. But also, I think, you know, when the pandemic hit, the Quest 2 had just come out and it was kind of like all kind of like merging together. And at that point, we we decided that one of the biggest things that we were going to do was to focus on enabling collaboration to really be robust and really kind of like enable people to communicate before the pandemic. And it was kind of like very much like it was a dream and it was kind of like we had some something happening and something there but it wasn't kind of like necessarily as robust as it should you know it allowed us to to also do that you mentioned so there's an instagram hashtag of gravity sketches there. that's pretty uh impressive i've just been looking at it for, for since i last spoke <laughs> <laughs> i think there's some amazing stuff on there actually there's some i think there's a real range of like the 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 level of detail in the renders as well everything from a a, you know, really just a, a scribble sketch, really, to like a fully, uh, the, res, the resolution on some of the ones that are, are more refined is incredible. I'm going in, I'm having a look. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you encouraged to spend a lot of time in VR then in other apps or in your own app uh, to kind of just better understand where the technology is going? Or again thinking about roles and where you've expanded is that kind of more in someone else's domain i think it's in everyone's domain right now in gravity sketch i mean i think something that we've done really well has been to focus on the people that are creating and so you know basically everything that you see on on instagram is people making things right but Speaking with our users and speaking with our customers, one of the biggest benefits that Gravity Sketch brings is just being able to be in the same space, talking around a three-dimensional object or just being in a space that is kind of like this, you know, physical, spatial space that you can have, you know, maybe images pasted on a, on a virtual wall and just having conversations and being able to bring people from different parts of the world there that are not necessarily the ones making, right? So we're really good. We have been focusing a lot on creation, but now it's um, it's our biggest interest to understand how can we also empower people to communicate these three-dimensional ideas that are not necessarily the ones that are going to be creating. And so how do you bring an engineer? How do you bring a marketeer? How do you bring you know, a, 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 a photography director into the scene and, and get them to also be able to express what they have in their head? Yeah, I'm just looking through some of these images now. Like, yeah, the, the, the detail on some of these is super impressive. So it's really cool. I, I guess this is starting to get people to think a bit differently, though, isn't it? Because the, the, some of the things that are on this Instagram hashtag are, um, are really quite out there, but clearly well thought through. Definitely better than what I was producing in there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, have, have, you, have you seen any, any effects of like people saying that they can finally express themselves in a different way or, or, or words to that effect? Yeah, 100%. And that's kind of like the, the, the best conversations that we have been like just allow us to keep going in such an inspired way because, yeah, like people, people tell us that they, they're able to like, resolve their designs from the very beginning, like at the sketch level, um, and be able to consider things that they were not considering before. So, you know, to give a, a practical example or a specific example, um, people using the mannequins or people using themselves to sketch cars, 
and like really understand the proportions and how things should actually kind of like behave. Whereas before, um, just by having a, a 2D sketch, uh, you would not be able to understand how everything is working together and like how the human proportions are actually having to be considered. Also, you have, you know, sometimes people that are working, for example, in the footwear industry that are coming in and you bring the manufacturing person uh, as part of these kind of like very initial conversations and they can already tell you if what you're thinking is possible or maybe give you some inspiration on how, you know, maybe the process that you're imagining or the shape that you're imagining can go in a different direction because maybe there's some more interesting process that you can use. And these conversations were not possible at the sketch phase. They were only possible like in the very later stages of, of the process where you could not really make a lot of changes. Like, you know, you had already spent a lot of time. Many people had already kind of like worked on something. You had created multiple prototypes, multiple 3D models. And by the time you arrived to a solution, it was really hard and painful to kind of like go back and make changes. Uh, but now you can actually be doing it from the very beginning, which means that you're solving things and kind of like refining a design before it even gets to kind of like any stage, you know, just as a at the sketch uh, level. Yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't have necessarily said that, that footwear was um, uh, that interesting um, uh, for, for, for most people. It's certainly not something I've really focused on, but actually there are some of the, the most interesting images and actually a couple of videos on the on uh, against this instagram hashtag it's so unusual to be able to see sort of a design in 3d and and really how it affects the physical proportions it's it's curious go on go and look it up listener go and take a look at these uh the these sketches they're they're interesting really interesting and unusual as well yeah for footwear, adidas presented this project where they scanned multiple uh feet and so they they essentially like kind of like started figuring out how to sketch or like sketching around these kind of like three dimensional uh, scans of of people's uh, feet, and so that you know you would kind of like create a design that was not like that was solving very very specific shapes of uh, on how people like difference. Well, we might get some shoes that fit better. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because on that note of of being understanding the product earlier on in the process being sort of a life changer. I mean, again, I see it in web web design being able to produce a prototype in a design tool so that you can visualize the website and whatever it is you're building so early on that those changes. Otherwise, you're you're developing the website and then changes need to happen. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a heavier task to do at such a later on stage you know i bet 3d printers certainly helped in that that workflow but this goes back even further then you know yeah and we have we have people now combining gravity sketch and 3d printing the the tricky part with 3d printing is that you still have to create a 3d model to 3d print it right and so you still have to go through that painful process of from an idea to a sketch to a 3D model that maybe it's not the same person making it to a 3D print. And now you can actually like, you know, sketch something in Gravity Sketch, then print it if you want to feel it, if you want to like wear it, if you want and, and so on. So um, completely encouraging you to spill the beans because that's what we like on this show. Where's this product going in terms of the, either the software or where you see the hardware going that you want to align to what's the what's the future again spill the beans <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i mentioned a bit of it um which is like really like figuring out how to get people to have like more than designers more than people creating how do you get essentially everyone that needs to be involved in this design process to be able to express themselves spatially. I think that's kind of like our biggest interest. Um, a lot of people ask about animation or rendering, so making photorealistic kind of like things in Gravity Sketch. And all of those are really amazing things that hopefully one day we'll do. But ultimately, our biggest focus is to allow more and more people to collaborate and, and be able to have conversations in space. I think that's kind of like the biggest focus right now. It's a very um, it's an ambitious goal you've set yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean also because I mean you're you're right now in VR, right? And you've had to figure some things out in terms of like how how are you even a human? Like how are you a human in this new space? And this is something that every single software and application that is going to be working in a in an immersive way needs to figure out and there are no standards right now like every single app that you use is going to be doing things in a different way for example in gravity sketch you can be a giant or you can be a very very small person you can be like it's an infinite world that you can navigate around you can have multiple people around you that maybe are different sizes or like maybe there's an upside down person like so all of these things like it's kind of like a really interesting and amazing challenge to have to figure out how are humans going to have to relearn to be humans in this new environment? And so um, we've kind of like nailed it or like getting there with people creating. But then what happens if you bring people that are not necessarily creating? And then how do you make uh, people not necessarily have to be immersed like with VR? Um, you know, can you can you get them to kind of like also collaborate and like speak to the to whoever is in there? maybe through another medium uh, that it's a bit more kind of like common. <laughs> Quickly on that note then, I probably should have verified this earlier on. Is this application available in augmented reality? It's We've been doing a lot of tests with the augmented reality headsets. It's definitely been very interesting. The thing is, it's not like the technology is not there yet, as in with the headsets. Um, so it's really hard to still kind of like interact with the space. So it's it's our goal, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the of the session. We don't like we, we consider Gravity Sketch to be a platform agnostic software. So whatever comes in the future, whenever like these technologies are available, we're always going to try to serve them because ultimately for us the biggest like the biggest goal is not to create a vr tool is to create a tool that allows people to communicate spatially whatever the medium is yeah that's that's kind of why i was thinking ar being more of an answer to that question than vr because it's, it's it's not very nice being in vr it was very closed off and i feel like if people can move around their space and um you feel just more connected to to the, the the world around them as well as that kind of you know the 3d aspect oh it brings i mean both both worlds bring special things so at the beginning we thought that augmented reality wasn't like the best way to go about it and it is in some ways like you do need to be in the world also like to be able to like see people but also be able to sketch and like to create and communicate in a real kind of like context it's also kind of like a really interesting and nice experience to be in VR, jump into this white canvas and just kind of like start creating without having any any disruption. And if you feel lonely, you can have multiple people jump into the session with you. So Yeah, that makes sense, actually. I could, um, just to draw parallels to what I'm doing right now, it was, you know, it wasn't until I removed the kind of 3D background and I just had a black background where it's like, okay, now... I feel more focused in what I'm doing now without all these distractions and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, something really, really funny that happens um, is that people, I mean, probably you've seen it in your experiment that with VR, but you lose track of time, especially like like people using Gravity Sketch, they just kind of like spend hours there. We we had users asking us to put a, a clock <laughs> in the controller so that they would actually know what time it is. Yeah, that's so true because I was using, I was in my home or whatever it is. Uh, it, actually, no, I was in Immersed, which is where I am now. You can select the time of day that it is on a on a on one of the three D rooms. I literally thought yesterday it'd be really nice if that sunset coincides with the day because then I sort of you want an awareness of what time it is, and um, when you it's like going to the cinema. You go when you go into the cinema during the day, and then you come out, and it's still light. It's like, hang on, what? Normally, it's you know, it's just it's being aware of the 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 light and all the rest of it is um is quite yeah crucial. Otherwise, it's very disorientating. Yeah. Cool. I think we're um great to wrap up there. That was a that was a fantastic conversation and very really interesting. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. 
I'll take my headset off now as we wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> and I've learned a lot as well. It's amazing. And I've definitely got a little bit obsessed by this uh, hashtag. And I've also found myself in a Porsche 944 concept drawing for an alternative e-version. So I'm now slightly obsessed with that. So sorry if I've been quiet for the last 10 minutes, but uh, easily distracted as it, as it, as it happens. <laughs> a very interesting uh, piece of software, though. Amazing. Thank you. What an episode that was. I thoroughly enjoyed doing that one. It was uh, it was really nice to have Danielle on the show. And when, when Gravity contacted us to say they were going to be on the show, I was, I was particularly excited. So uh, thank you once again, Daniela. So on the show next week, we have Jamil Ahmed from Solace, where we get into event-driven architecture. So do make sure you join us next week as usual. And as usual, if you're a fan of the show, do consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And if you'd like to support the show, we have a Buy Me A Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com slash show. All one word. And of course, where would we be in the 21st century if we didn't have social media presence? So you can check us out on Twitter and our newly revitalized Instagram or, of course, LinkedIn. We're not a fan of Facebook, but if you are and you aren't on any of the other platforms, do let us know by emailing us at hello at thattech.show or head on over to our website where there's a little contact form there. So uh, there we go. Have a great week, everyone.